Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. A couple months ago, I think it was right around the time we did the um, Throne of Eldraine set review episodes, Yep, we talked a bit about wishes in Commander. So for those of you who aren't aware, wish effects are cards that search for cards from outside the game and put them into your hand. And they actually currently don't work in Commander. The official rules for these wish effects is that you don't have a sideboard, you can't search for anything outside the game, so they will resolve, but they won't do anything. And of course, we've gotten guidance from the rules committee that, you know, whatever house rules you want to do, but they're not officially supported. If you show up to a GP and try to play with someone, it's not legal. Yeah, it's not gonna, yeah, yeah. It's not gonna happen. Right around the time Throne of Eldraine came out, Fae of Wishes was released with that set, and it marks the third consecutive standard set with a wish effect in it. I believe Wizards stated that they plan on using these to improve best of one play. Yeah. So we're likely to see more of them in the future. Probably at this hit rate too of maybe one per set or every other set or something like that. Yeah. So this is something that although the, the current count is is relatively low, there's only about 14 of these cards. We're going to see a lot more in the next few years. And I really think that the rules committee should consider allowing this to work in Commander, of course, with some parameters to make the logistics work a little bit better. Yeah. So at that time, I I said I was going to be testing Wishes in a few of my decks just to see how it went, what the issues were, what the the concerns were, and just get some some real-world experience to apply to some of the criticisms leveraged at Wishes. So I'll I'll give you my uh, experience in a minute. And I'll I'll sort of lay out what decks I'm running in them. But first, what are the criticisms and why should we not allow wishes to work in Commander? I guess my first question to you would be, how big should a wish board be? Like, how big were yours? And what do you think is the optimum rule for that? So that's a good question. The way wishes function in like 60 card magic is you have your 15 card sideboard and they can search for cards from within that sideboard. For my testing, I used a 10 card sideboard and that was pre-built prior to the game. And that's the pool that I had to search from. I think that 10-card sideboard, like other people have used this for Commander in the past. So that's just the Mm -hmm. number I adopted. I've used this number two for Wishes because I played in leagues where you had a 10-card sideboard. And before a match, you could you basically all announced what Commander you're going to play. And then you could sideboard before the match. So that was using this 10-card sideboard. So if you were to implement Wishes and have them work correctly, you would need to figure out sideboard size what are some of the other criticisms pointed towards wishes yeah do you think that having a wish board goes against the like kind of spirit of like the hundred card singleton format the spirit of a hundred card format that doesn't mean anything to me like a hundred is an is an arbitrary number it doesn't have any meaning beyond like traditionally what has been done and i don't think the format would be like significantly better or worse if it was like you know, 98 cards plus your commander or 100 cards plus your commander rather than 99 plus your commander. 100 is just the number they chose and it's not sacred in any way. Do you think that playing wishes and wishes being legal in the format would give people who do have wishes and wish boards an unfair advantage compared to those who don't? So I think it opens up a lot of new options for CEDH and in some sense it does make your deck better, but I don't think most people are going to adopt wishes or at least like not heavily tune, not do it like to the level that CEDH players do. I think it's really just giving them a tool 
and making it so that you can play all of your cards. If you open a Fae of Wishes in a booster pack, you'll be able to play it in this format in your fairy deck. But from my testing, the access to the wishboard didn't matter a huge amount. It was not significantly different from another tutor. Let me get into some of like the reasons why that is. Mm-hmm. Getting things out of your, your wishboard is significantly more difficult than getting them out of your deck for the majority of things that cards wish for. So for example, like if you're running Living Wish in your deck, if there's like a creature or land that is essential to your game plan, you would much rather have it in your main deck because green has access to so many land searching effects. You've got Sylvan Scrying, you've got Crop Rotation, you've got Expedition Map, you've got Elvish Reclaimer, many, many more beyond that. You've got a critical mass of ways to search a land out of your deck and put it into your hand or onto the battlefield. Same with searching for creatures. Green has at least a dozen competitive, like, quality ways to get a creature out of your deck and put it onto the battlefield or into your hand. So if a creature is essential to your deck, you want it in your main deck. Putting it in your wishboard and making it so that there's only one card in your deck that can pull it out is just not a good decision. There are some other wishes that search for things that are more narrow or more difficult to search out, and that might lead to like outsourcing some of these strong cards. But like in most cases, it's often worse than a tutor because yes. the, the cards you most want to get are already going to be in your deck. It's the things that aren't good enough to be in your deck that this is searching for. Yeah, so I have some experience with wishes from the past. I used Burning Wish a lot in the Ruhan of the Fomori deck. Mm-hmm. And basically what I used it for in particular was very narrow answers. So sometimes with Ruhan, I really wanted Razia's Purification, but only sometimes. Mm-hmm. I didn't really want to just draw that and have it sitting in my hand and maybe never get to a point where it was good to cast it, but it was really good in the wishboard. Razi's Purification being four white-red, uh, each player picks three permanents and sacrifices the rest. It's a sorcery. And, and that's pretty similar to what you're saying. Like, I was not running cards that I really wanted to see in the main board. And if I did get, let's say I did get Razi's Purification, that meant that I couldn't get, like, Armageddon or something that game. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that option was gone. Let me actually give you some examples of, like, what commanders I, I was testing these wishes in, what wishes I was using, yeah. and, like, what my wishboards were. I tested wishes in two decks. One is a Celestia Tokens deck, and the other is my black-red Grevin Predator Captain deck. So in the Celestia one, that's the one that was running Living Wish, and I just put extremely narrow creatures and lands in my sideboard that I didn't think I would want in most games. My deck is an aggro deck, and it wants to attack, but I put a Glacial Chasm in my wishboard just in case there was ever a game where I found myself like really on the defensive and needed to protect myself and, and build up. I also ran some some narrow creatures like Cavalier of Dawn. When it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target non-land permanent and its controller creates a 3-3 colorless golem artifact creature token. In my main deck, I've got Beast Within, I've got Generous Gift, I've got a lot of like really efficient answers, but if I happen to draw a Living Wish, Cavalier is one that I can get answer any permanent, even though it's like not efficient enough to make it into my main deck. The other wish that I was running in the Celestia Tokens deck was Glittering Wish, and that's green, white for a sorcery. Choose a multicolored card you own from outside the game, reveal that card, and put it into your hand, and then exile Glittering Wish. So the difference between Glittering Wish and Living Wish is that multicolor is a category that's a lot more difficult to tutor out than creatures and lands in this color identity. 
So like in white green, you have got pretty much no ways to tutor out like instants or sorceries. So Glittering Wish was my one card that could tutor instants and sorceries. So I did put better cards into my sideboard that I could get with Glittering Wish because if I put them in my main deck, I wouldn't be able to search them out. So like Fracturing Gusk, two hybrid white green, hybrid white green, hybrid white green for an instant. Destroy all artifacts and enchantments. You gain two life for each permanent destroyed this way. So that's an awesome answer if I'm playing against, you know, some artifact deck, some enchantment deck. And it's a very good card, but I put it specifically in my sideboard just because Glittering Wish was in my main deck. So that is like a deck building choice that was informed by these wishes. One of the arguments against wishes is that it takes a while for someone to tutor and that it takes a while for someone to wish, like Mm -hmm. to cast the wish and look for what they want. Have you found that to be the case in your experience? Not at all. It's so much faster to wish for something than to tutor. If I could just make all tutors in magic wishes, yeah, <laughs> it would. Well, I don't know if it'd be the right choice, but it, God, it would save a lot of time. Yeah. Yes, I actually agree with yeah, that. Because <laughs> choosing out of out of ten cards versus choosing out of like the the eighty ninety remaining cards in your library, it's so much faster, especially for newer players who don't know exactly what they're searching out. And most of the time, like because a lot of these wishes are limited in what they get, you're not even really searching through 10 cards. You're searching through like the five multicolor cards in your sideboard. I think it's it's very fast. Uh, and usually like the way you structure your wish board is going to be like a bunch of silver bullets. So in a given situation, there's probably only like one or two right answers. I wasn't often wishing for value. It's like I, I knew what I needed and it's it's right there. I can see it in my pile of wishes. I guess another criticism of wishes is that if wishes do get these very specific hosers, do you think that decreases the fun level of the game? I don't think so. I think that if you're mostly getting answers, that's fine. Like it can be really frustrating when you just don't have an answer to something, especially like if you're in a color that doesn't have a lot of tutors. So if you're in say mono red, your tutors are extremely limited. You've got gamble and then like question mark. But getting access to Burning Wish and then like, okay, I, I now I have like an aftershock if my opponent has a creature that's really oppressing me or an all is dust if there's a bunch of enchantments that are bothering me. It just gives you more options for answers and like counterplay is good magic. There, there is a danger of like using wishes to get combo pieces or more like proactive things. Okay, let, let me talk a little bit about the problems of wishes. I think that wishes that are instants or sorceries that one shot get this thing, that's totally fine. That's very similar to a demonic tutor, whatever. What I think is a lot more worrisome are wishes that can get multiple things because then you're assembling combos. So for example, like Karn the Great Creator, four cost, planeswalker with five starting loyalty, activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. Well, there's a couple of problems here. Yeah. First off, <laughs> yeah. he, he himself is a one-card combo that can go and get Mycosynth Lattice, and then none of your opponents can tap their lands for mana. That's that's a huge issue. But let's let's take the example of Fey of Wishes. Fey of Wishes has this adventure granted. Three and a blue. You may choose a non-creature card you own from outside the game, reveal it, and put it into your hand. And then the creature half is one and a blue for a one-four fairy wizard with flying. Pay one into blue, discard two cards, return Fey of Wishes to its owner's hand. So the way you can play this card is like, I play Granted, I go get some non-creature combo piece, then I play Fey of Wishes, then I bounce Fey of Wishes, then I 
play Granted again, go get the other half of the combo. Fae of Wishes is essentially a one-card combo that assembles whatever you need. Yeah, whatever non-creature combo you, you want. I agree with your point that the one-shot Wishes I've found to be very fair in mm-hmm. my like time playing with them. But a big part of that is that it's kind of one and done. You tutored, but maybe it's for something specific. And just really any of these like repetitive ones are the ones that I think are going to make the case harder for wishes in general. I think that one-shot wishes tend to incentivize just running answers in your wish board for the, the same reasons I was I was saying earlier. If you have a combo piece, it's probably easier to get it out of your deck than it is to get it out of your wish board just because there's not that many wishes in existence. And like tutoring for a wish to get something out of your wish board is probably just a lot more difficult than tutoring for the thing. So I think they, they lend themselves to getting answers. It's just the ones that can wish multiple times that are more likely to get threats, and they're probably going to be game-winning two-card combo type threats. That's something that would have to be considered and they would have to be careful about. Do you think that it promotes sloppy or lazy deck building? I don't think so. I think it's a tool for people who are really, really into deck building, like yours truly, because <laughs> it just gives you more options. It's another layer of complexity for building your deck. I mean, look at how it affects things in like standard best of one. Instead of your sideboard being like, well, I'm going to have three answers for each of these five different decks that I might face in the current metagame. It's like, no, all of these slots matter so much because now you have these singleton silver bullet answers that you can get during the course of the game and like say the the fires decks the fires of invention decks in standard right now like fey of wishes is huge for them and their wish and like building their wish board super carefully i mean it's not everyone's cup of tea it definitely is something complex that new players might find difficulty grasping because they're they're already have such a steep learning curve but it's totally optional. They don't have to do wishboards if they don't want to. And so for the the new players who just don't have the capacity to figure that part of the deck building process out, they just don't have to do it. Yeah. No, I would say the same thing. I would say that like if let's say wishes became legal, let's say 10 card sideboard became the norm and that just was what was happening. I think you would get some people that changed their decks, that put the wishes in their decks that came up with like well thought out wishboards or not well thought out wishboards. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that would happen too. But I think a majority of people would not notice a difference. Yeah. I, I don't really think you would be playing and all of a sudden your playgroup is just a total wreck and like what was once this balanced, beautiful home is now this like terrible place to play because wishes are legal now. I should also clarify, because there's so few options for wishes, there's just not that many in existence, you're not going to be able to have a critical mass of wishes in a deck in like any color identity. Yeah, maybe, they're spread out all over the place. Yeah, maybe if you're doing a five-color deck, you could cram enough wishes in there, but they search for different things. So it's like if you're going to run 10 wishes, then you're going to need like 10 silver bullets. So like in my white-green deck, I was able to fit in two wishes. Uh, I didn't want to run Golden Wish because it costs a million mana. That one, I've in my experience, has been like too expensive. Like spending five mana to wish for something that then also costs between like usually it was like between like three and seven mana mm-hmm. like something it was like this is too much yeah in, in my white green deck i had two wishes in my black red deck i'm running burning wish and death wish and and by the way death wish like the the synergy between that and greven is so amazing <laughs> it's so good like just having greven on the board and going like death wish okay i'm gonna lose 15 life 
and then I go get like some lifelink effect that wasn't good enough for my main board. I really love that. Give Grevin lifelink. He's he's now a 20, 20 or something. Beat in, kill someone, and and like gain all the life I lost back is is incredible. Just as a an outlet for your life is is awesome. And I don't know if it'd be good enough in most other decks. I think that it's Death Wish is like particularly good in Grevin. Yeah. But compared to like Doomsday, Death Wish is, is probably just not worth running. Because like if you're willing to pay three mana and half your life in a black deck, why not just stack your entire library yeah. <laughs> instead of getting one card? Yeah. No, I, I totally feel that. So far, the verdict seems positive in your opinion. Yeah. I, I think that it would be fine. Let me tell you some of the issues I've noticed. I don't think these are enough to sync wishes, especially since like if Wizards is committed to printing wishes, then I really think that the rules of Commander should align with current design philosophy. That just makes sense to me. So I don't think these are enough to like to sway my position, but they are things that uh, I-, I would caution people to be aware of. The logistics of it is a little bit annoying. My deck boxes fit 100 sleeved cards, and there's no way I'm going to be able to fit another 10 cards in there. So I have to have them in like a separate container. I usually carry them in my binder, just have like a couple pages at the back, like this is my wishboard for this deck, this is my wishboard for that deck. But there's also been times where I've left my binder at home, shuffled up my deck, drew my opening hand, and there's a wish in it, and I realized, oh, this card does nothing because I forgot my wishboard at home. That's something to be aware of. You are going to have to figure out a solution to make it so that you have access to your wish boards and you don't forget it or, or lose it or anything. Other concerns, again, like I, I don't like the play pattern of some of these wishes, but that just might have to be something we can deal with. I mean, Doomsday and Survival of the Fist are already legal if you're worried about one card combos. I would make the argument that these cards being like massively degenerate combo cards are still not as good as the actual massively degenerate combos that exist in the format currently. The only one I would look carefully at would be Karn the Great Creator, because I know that when Painter Servant was still banned, there was that argument of like, oh, there's a a two-card combo that any deck can access. My outline was always like, a two-card combo, there's so many ways you can do that. Pretty much any color has some two-card combo that you can assemble. Painter Servant like wasn't even a great combo, blah, 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 blah. But Karn the Great Creator being a one-card combo that any deck can run gives me a lot more pause. There's yeah. a huge difference between a one-card combo and a two-card combo. There's very few one-card combos in Commander. And of course, like Karn the Great Creator isn't just a one-card combo that ends the game in the same way that Doomsday will. It's a one-card combo that locks your opponents out and may not provide you with a win condition. I mean, I guess you can go beat down with your Mycosynth Lattice, but that play pattern doesn't seem fun. And I don't think he has a lot of like super fun uses. No. <laughs> so there may need to be a banning involved in order to make this happen, but growing pains. Magic adds, what, like a thousand new cards a year close mm-hmm. to it? About that, yeah. I think more now that they have all these supplemental sets and products. I, I think it's not unreasonable that like as the game grows, you may need to ban new cards. Banning is... It's undesirable, but you can't just have a game that like increases by in 10,000 cards in 10 years and expect the ban list to remain the exact same size. Do you think Ring of Maruf is also ban-worthy if this were to happen? <laughs> Ring of Maruf is, is pretty fine. I think that... <laughs> spending 10 mana to wish one time. <laughs> yeah, and spending $82. Yeah. 
I think that's totally okay. It's hey, it's another tool for your colorless decks. Yeah, I think that like Sponsire, not particularly scary. Ring of Maruf, not particularly scary. Research, definitely not scary. No, not scary at all. It's a split card, but the relevant half is green blue for an instant. Choose up to four cards you own from outside the game and shuffle them into your library. Like that's that's not even putting them into your hand. They're dispersed over yeah. eighty cards. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> I think that's fine. Golden Wish, maybe you would played it in mono white. Maybe. Like I said, I cut it. Yeah. Because it just was it was too much. Especially for mono white, which is so mana starved. And, and like Coax from the Blind Eternities is also incredibly narrow. It's two and a blue for a sorcery. You may choose an Eldrazi card you own from outside the game or in exile, reveal it and put it into your hand. That's pretty limited in what you can get. And of course, like if you could cast the Eldrazi, you probably just wanted it in your main deck anyway. Yeah, the the, the big problem I've had with that card is that why would I not just put Kozilek in my deck? Yeah. Like if I wanted Kozilek in my deck, like why would I run this three mana card that gets in between? Like why run the middleman? That I don't understand that. Yeah, and, and Vivian Arcbow Ranger I just think is like too slow to have to yeah. wait a whole turn. So, so really, I think of the 14 wishes we've got just like eight viable ones so so it's not a change that would affect a huge number of games most decks aren't going to be able to run a ton of them but it just opens up options for creative deck builders and there's going to be more in the future yeah i think uh the fact that there's so few of them means that they're a lot less dangerous than like tutors where you can have 10 of them and get what you want every single game and i do think kind of in that glittering wish vein like they don't want to make tutors, but they could make white wishes. <laughs> that would help white so much. Uh, I don't know. We'll see what they do. And kind of like you said, and like we've been saying, like we're probably going to just keep seeing a lot of these cards being printed just mm-hmm. over the next few years, as at least as long as Arena exists. I'm uh, interested to see if this is an issue that the CAG or the Rules Committee picks up. I think that's just about all that we have time for today. I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, and Logan. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to produce bonus episodes like this one and keep the lights on in the studio. If you are not currently a patron but would like to become one, you can check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr, and Zach is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.